Jess. And I'm Tiff, and we're your Curious Cousins. Where we talk about everything kooky and spooky in the state of Oklahoma. Welcome to episode 64. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm not sick anymore again. You still kind of sound like a little crackly. A little, a little. Like I still have definitely sound better. A tiny runny nose, but I can breathe through my nose. Nice. Good. That's always good. I don't wake up. You know, in the middle of the night, it's like your lips plastered to your teeth. <laughs> your tongue stuck to the roof I of your know. mouth. <laughs> oh, oh, it kills me. It kills me. Well, good. Yeah. I'm glad you're feeling better. On the up and up. Yay. How about you? Good. Today was my last day of work until after Christmas. So, Mine was yay. yesterday. I mean, I have to go back on, you know, Wednesday of next week, but. I had to work yesterday. And then I don't have to go back until my birthday. Not fair. But yeah. Nice. Um, I have a story I need to tell you. Okay. Oh, I meant to bring the, um, the thing in. Okay. All right. So, uh-huh. as you can see, I brought something. Uh-huh. And of course, our listeners can't see it, but I'll take a picture of it and post it. But this is our family countdown to Christmas, and it's uh-huh. frosty. And every day, one of the boys, is, the boys takes out the magnet. See, you can listen to today's. Mm-hmm. It didn't do it. Um, you take out the magnet, and he says something different every day. Oh, okay. So, had this thing for years. Uh-huh. Whatever. Last night, okay. I wake up to hear this. And at first I heard it, and I was like, which one of my children is awake right now? What time was this? 3 a.m. Oh, my gosh. The witching hour, 3 a.m. I hear it. I don't hear it again. Then I kind of drift back to sleep and wake back up to this. Oh, no, it didn't do it. Jess... This thing went off, I don't know how many times. Like, I legitimately got freaked out. That kind of gives me chills. Like, I I was sitting there and I was like, okay, maybe the magnet is just stuck. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you right now, it did not do that at all the whole day because my husband had stayed worked from home mm-hmm. because um, Bubba was sick. Right. So he stayed home from school and it didn't go off all day. Like Bubba slept on the couch most of the day mm-hmm. watching TV or would take a nap on the couch and it didn't go off. That's Why at 3 a.m. was it going off continually? I mean like I scared myself enough that I couldn't get out of bed. Oh my goodness. So finally I sucked it up. Yeah. At 3.06. And I didn't even know what time it was. So between then and the time you got up, how many times did it go off, do you think? Oh, my gosh. Six, seven, eight times maybe. I didn't know what time it was. So Did the hubby wake up at all? No. Why no. didn't you, like, shove him and be he like, didn't wake up that until, out? He didn't wake up until I got up. I would have been shoving him and be like, go see what's going on. Oh, he probably, you know what? He probably would have been like, you're the one who invited all this stuff in here. You go check it out. (laughs) He's not wrong, I guess. But anyways, (laughs) so I finally get up. And on my way, I kid you not, from my bedroom to the living room, 
I flip on every single light except for my bedroom light. There's I would have too. Nothing there. There's nobody there. Oh, that is so creepy. And as I approach it, it goes off again. <gasps> and I just stand frozen. And I whip that star out and I sit it. I said it, I said it like on where we came, you know, because we have that like stand that we put our stockings on. Yeah. I set it on the stand. Oh my gosh. And turn off all the lights, go back to sleep, or go back or like lay back go down. Go back to bed. Go back, go back. I don't know yeah. how you'd be go able back to sleep to after bed. that. And I kind of sat here and in my mind I was like, if you are kind, if you're a kind spirit, you are welcome here. If you are malevolent, get out. And I sat there. And then, of course, I was like praying. I was like, please don't let it be like a demon or something. And In the name of Jesus, I rebuke thee. Exactly. Is what I would be exactly. That's why I was just like, please. So, anywho, the next morning we get up. Or I get up. Because Bubba had moved. Uh-huh. And fell back asleep on the couch, and I woke up to him snoring. <laughs> and I go in there, and I don't, like, around 1030, he gets up, and he was like, ah, the strangest thing happened last night. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what? <sighs> and he goes, I swear I kept hearing Frosty, because we call it Frosty. Right. Kept going off and off. He goes, I think that our elves, because we've got two elves on the shelf, uh-huh. I think they were playing with him. And I was like, you're like, sure. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I think so too. (laughs) It woke me up. Mama knows. (laughs) And so, and then baby will try to tell you that it woke him up. It didn't, it didn't wake him up. Cause I was, I asked, I asked, but I was like, Hey, did your brother wake up? And he goes, no. (laughs) Yeah. That is my creepy story. Oh my goodness. Needless to say, um, tonight the magnet will not be inside of Frosty. I'm going to take him out before I go to bed. Don't blame you. It's <laughs> <laughs> the weirdest thing ever. Sounds like you need to sage your house. I Exactly. I'm going to go to the farm hippie in Collinsville and get some sage for sure. That is, I mean, that's really, that is really weird. I know. Like, I'm like, oh, it could have, you know, it could have been, I was like, maybe the battery is dying on it. Nope. And then I was like, maybe, you know, maybe it got stuck. But then I was like, how did it get stuck like that? And it had been on the 19th all day long. Well, and the fact that it didn't do it before no it didn't start doing it until 3 a.m that is gross i know i know gross so yeah Mm -hmm. i saved that story all day like it took everything in my power not to like text you at 306 a.m this morning she texted me while i was at work and she's like remind me i have a creepy story to tell you and i was like (laughs) oh great okay right yeah oh i have another scary story to tell you too. well i've got some business oh okay sort of so uh, you know, last week I covered Black Kettle and the um, Washita River Massacre. Sorry, yes, I had yes. a brain fart. Well, my my older brother texted me Monday, mm-hmm. I think it was. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He texted me and um, he had told me that. So I just wanted to, I wrote everything down that he had sent to me. So I thought I'd read those for you really quick. But he had said the union volunteers that participated in the Sand Creek Massacre Mm -hmm. were shunned and looked down on once it was known that they attacked the elderly and the women and the children. Good. And he said that every U.S. Army and Calvary uh, that fought in the Indian Wars, is what they called them, had, like, Indian scouts. Mm -hmm. And the reason 
and well, he said Custer had crow scouts with him at Little Bighorn. Yes. But he said the reason for that was because it was the only way that the army could actually find these encampments. Well, yeah, I mean, and definitely. So. Makes he, sense. Yeah. And then he also said, sorry, he's he's like a fountain of information. <laughs> so he said that Chivington was court-martialed by the U.S. Army after the massacre, but that they couldn't punish him because he was out of the army when the court-martial happened. Does that make sense? I mean, yes, but I feel like they still could have punished him. Some Like, okay, so we can't court-martial you. Well, here is a federal indictment. Right, like something. Yes. Um, they did say that there were also congressional hearings and military um, investigations following the massacre, and Congress and the U.S. Army determined it was murder. And then he sent, me this, he sent me this screenshot, and it said that, Congress vilified Chivington in summarizing his cowardly and racist attack in their published report, quote, wearing the uniform of the United States, which should be the emblem of justice and humanity. He deliberately planned and executed a foul and dastardly massacre. End quote. The, and it's I think this report is called the Sand Creek Massacre, the official 1865 report. But um, Good. so he had those were just a few things that he had. Texted me about that episode. So Well, I'm glad that that happened because, you know, they also don't mention that either, that the U.S. saw it as wrongdoing. Right. You just kind of see it from the perspective of, oh, yeah, the army did this. Right. It was awful, but nothing happened. My faith in the U.S. at times. I have another piece of news for you. I had a listener reach out to me this week, Uh or maybe it was last week. Oh, maybe it was this weekend. I don't know. Anyways, they reached out to me and I wanted to share what knowledge she had shared with me. And I actually know her, but I don't know if I can share her name, so I'm not going to do it right now, but she is one of my sorority sisters who lives here in um, the Tulsa area. And she said that she had just listened to our podcast over the Mullendore murders. Oh, yeah. And... um. She said it was interesting and informative, and so thank you. Um, she's met E.C. the fourth. His son. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, through a friend. He never believed and still does not believe that Chubb Anderson is the man who committed the murder. Really? Yes. Huh. Um, they do believe that he was part of a setup, but not the mastermind for the murder, and that his wife is still alive and doesn't believe it either. Which is kind of interesting because, according to the book, the footprints in the deal. Yeah, it, it was he almost had like a bedside confession mm-hmm. to the author. Yeah, so that's interesting. Huh. So well, we just we her and I just started having this conversation yeah. back and forth, and some more of it that she had said was that um, her friend uh, that she got this information from her is thirty years her senior, but he was the one who had introduced her to EC, uh-huh. and. Um, this friend of hers got her interested in both the Girl Scout murders. And so she was like, that's like the one she was going to listen to next. Oh, yeah. And and the Mullendore murders. Uh-huh. And uh, she, oh, because she had said this friend of hers is also good friends with Pete Weaver's son from the Girl Scout murders. I guess they're like insurance agents or something. So oh, okay. that was kind of weird. Like she has these two stakes and two different giant cases. Yeah, in that's our crazy. Area. She was shocked to hear about the information of the botched job from the Mullendore murder, um, but she said that her friend 
who is friends with mm-hmm. E.C. Mullendore. He mm-hmm. hates podcasts. Uh-huh. But she encouraged him to listen to it. And he said that you did an amazing oh job. Oh, my goodness. So I just wanted to oh, share that with you. you. Gosh, but, that made me a little nervous there for a minute. <laughs> right. Um, it always makes me nervous, too. But um, so people, I just wanted to share it with you. So oh, people, people love I'm us. They really did. like us. Thanks. So. I, you know, it gets me thinking about when we first started and we're like, we just hope like five people that we don't know. That we're not related to, to. Yeah, that we're not related to. Yes. Not that we don't love our, our family. No, we do. But you know. So. <laughs> That's so cool, though. That's really neat. Are you ready for a ghost story? After the one you just told me, I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Well, first, let me preface this, that the more I looked into this case, I was totally, you know. Mm-hmm. The ghost stories are like my jam. Right. This one turns into kind of a true crime story. Hmm. Don't they so, normally though? I, I, like, I mean, technically, I guess. There's usually yes, some kind of yes, crime. And yes. You're right. You're right. But so, more than what you thought maybe. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm going to cover a Dead Woman's Crossing. Ever heard of it? I've heard of it, but I don't know what it's about. Okay. It's in Weatherford, Oklahoma. Okay. My sources are Ghost Lahoma by Tanya Hacker and Tammy Wilson, which we have tons of books from them. They're really known mm-hmm. for their paranormal writing here in Oklahoma. Yeah. They're both from Oklahoma. Dead Woman's Crossing by Altus Obscura. Mm-hmm. Dead Woman's Crossing by Becky Ray for Casey Ghost. The Tulsa Daily Democrat uh, article from August 3rd, 1905. Oh, uh, wow. You went far back. I did. Father offers reward. No trace of Mrs. Katie James can be found. That article was from the Prior Creek Clipper on August 5th of 1905. And then there was an article called Mrs. Katie Jones' Body Discovered from the Shawnee Herald from August 31st of 1905. Oh, wow. So what happens when you discover your urban legend is actually true? Uh, You get the heebie-jeebies a little more. In Weatherford, take I-40, exit 84, north, half a mile to a stop sign. Fourth a mile east, north to a blacktop, half a mile to a bridge crossing. That's very specific. Mm -hmm. This is where you will find what the locals call Dead Woman's Crossing. Oh, gosh, I don't like the sound of this. There once was an old wooden bridge there that went over Deer Creek. Okay. It's now replaced with a concrete one. It's probably a good thing. Yes, yes. (laughs) So let's do a little bit of history. Okay. July 7th, 1905. So we're going way back. Yeah. (laughs) 29-year-old Katie DeWitt James, a school teacher, and her 14-month-old daughter, Lulu Bell, boarded a train in Custard City, Oklahoma, to visit a sister or a cousin. Uh, There were differing sources who she was visiting. Mm -hmm. It was a relative. Okay. Uh, They were in Ripley, which is found in Payne County. Katie was described by others as pleasant and well-liked. She was even popular, yet she was hiding a dark secret. Mm. On July 6th, Katie filed for divorce on the grounds of cruelty. Oh. She was scared and decided to put some space between herself and her husband before he got the news of the divorce. Okay. You said she's 20 at this time? 29. 29. Okay. So Katie's father, Henry DeWitt, helps her pack up her and the baby's belongings and takes them to the train station. He watches them get on the train and watches the train pull away. Katie never arrived at her cousin's house or her sister's house, her relative's house, I guess I should say. Did Lulu Bell? No. (gasps) After not hearing from Katie for weeks, 
there was really no specific date given, but based on the newspaper articles, it had to be probably around the beginning of August of mm-hmm. 1905, so roughly a month, I would say. Yeah. Henry DeWitt files a missing persons report and is told by law enforcement to hire a private investigator by the name of Sam Bartell. Now, remember, this is pre-statehood. Yeah. So well-established sheriffs and police officers weren't really a thing, so a lot of people had to do like the, go the private investigator right. Right, route. Do you say route or route? It depends in what reference. Okay. Because I don't say route 66. I say route 66. But if I'm talking about some like a way that I'm going, I'll say route. Okay. Yes. That makes that's sense. True. That's how I am too. <laughs> and it's also a route 44 drink. There you go. Anyway, sorry. That was a tangent. No, that's fine. Sam Bartell is someone you would want in your corner. Like he just, he was dedicated to this case. Searching for your missing loved ones, he would not give up. And so Henry was able to hire him and it was a great thing. I mean, you're going to, this entire investigation was him. So he came highly recommended mm-hmm. by Probably. some kind of law enforcement. Yes. And he did a fantastic job okay. at his job. He was able to trace Katie to Weatherford, where it was believed a woman matching her description was seen in the company of Mrs. Ham. Mrs. Ham was a known sex worker who worked for Mrs. Fanny Norton, another known sex worker, okay. and owner of a local boarding house in downtown Weatherford. Fanny's husband drove horse-drawn buggies, and this will come in. This will come okay. in. Okay. Um, so remember that is what yes. you're telling me? Okay. It was reported that Katie and Lulu stayed the night on July 7th with Fanny's brother-in-law, William Moore of Weatherford. Sam Bartell also discovered that the morning of July 8th, Two women and a baby were seen leaving town in a buggy. Fanny was reported, she was reported telling the livery workers that they'd be back in three hours. The livery workers? Okay, livery. I don't know if it's livery or livery. livery. Sorry. (laughs) No, you're fine. Didn't mean to correct you. (laughs) The livery workers. This worker reported that Fanny told Katie they were heading to Hydro. Okay. Uh, Within two hours, though, Fanny returned in the buggy alone. So how far away is Hydro from, did they say at all? No, and I haven't ever I'm not super up. familiar with that part of our um, state, to be honest. I mean, it's some, It's in that vicinity. Okay. I know that. Um, if my husband were in here, he could probably give you specifics because <laughs> he went to school at Weather, he went to Southwestern, and Stephanie went to Southwestern, my oh, sister. Yeah, that's right. And my husband is from Western Oklahoma. Right. So... He would definitely probably know. He'd probably be able to spout off how many miles there were. <laughs> so Bartell, he heads to Hydro. A woman there reports to him that she saw the buggy with two women and a baby enter a field near Deer Creek. Then pass back by 45 minutes later with one woman missing. That's odd. In another similar story, a farmer saw this scene, the same scene, but when the buggy was returning with the one woman and the baby, it was traveling at breakneck speeds. The farmer went out to investigate what might have happened to the other woman, but all that were found were glasses, clothing, and a grip. And I found out that a grip is um, something similar to a small purse. Okay. Um, I was like, a grip? What's that? I know. I didn't know either. I had to Google it. Uh, all of these items reportedly did belong to Katie. Oh, man. This is kind of... Oh, gosh. This is giving me bad vibes. Several farm homes in the area also reported seeing the buggy and the trio, or in some cases, the duo, on July 8th. So it just depended on what time they saw, if they saw three people or two people. Mm. 
and I guess really an adult, two adults and a baby or an adult and a baby. Right. One of these farms Fanny actually stopped at. Outside the farm, Fanny passed the 14-month-old Lulu Bell to a little boy. She instructed the boy to take the baby to his mother and have her watch the baby while Fanny went into town for a bit. Fanny said that she'd come back. She never did. On July 24, 1905, Lulu Bell was discovered. So here we are in July. So I guess if we think back, maybe he hadn't, maybe Henry DeWitt hadn't only heard from his daughter for maybe two weeks because Lulu Bell's discovered alive July 24. So that's before the beginning of August. Okay, so the baby was alive. Yes. Okay. Lulu Bell is discovered alive and well at the farmer's homestead in Weatherford, where she had been dropped off by Fanny. Okay. Um, Sam Bartell notifies Henry DeWitt that his granddaughter has been located alive and well, but not Katie. The farming family baby Lulu was with told Sam Bartell some startling news. Startling news? When the child had been handed over by presumably Fanny Norton, Mm -hmm. The baby's clothing had specks of blood on it. Whoa. In fact, while leaving the boy and the baby, the body witnessed Fanny throwing a bundle out of the buggy. Okay, so the boy witnessed Fanny throwing something Mm -hmm. out out of of the the buggy. buggy. Yes. So he went and retrieved it. I mean, he's a little boy. I'd have gone and retrieved it too. I mean, yeah. He probably thought it was like treasure or something. Right, exactly. It wasn't. It was a bundle of blood-soaked baby clothes. (gasps) Yet the baby was unharmed. Additionally, the boy reported he saw blood splattered on the side of the buggy. Oh, my goodness. So Sam, he was hot to catch Fanny. Like, that was his prime suspect right there. He needed to catch her. He traced her all the way to Shawnee, which if you think about it, in today's time, Weatherford is on the western side of the state. Shawnee right. is on the eastern side of the state. Or western side of Oklahoma City, eastern side of Oklahoma City. Yeah. So he literally went across Oklahoma State. Now, granted, I know it's not as big as it is today, but... I yeah, mean, but on a buggy, that's not Or that, even on a horse. That's not... You know? That would still take you, I think, days. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I, I think it would probably take you a day or two. Yeah. Because you're try- he's probably had to stop at all sorts of different uh, boarding houses mm-hmm. and maybe even railroad stations to try to get like, have you seen this woman? Have you mm-hmm. heard, you know, blah, 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 trying right. to get her description. So he traced her to Shawnee where she was then arrested by the local police department. When questioned about Katie's whereabouts, Fanny told rambling, far-fetched stories about Katie meeting a man and leaving with him. Then she said, Another story she said was that they'd met a man and two more women in a covered wagon where Katie abandoned her child with Fanny and hopped in the wagon. Mm. (laughs) No one was buying this hogwash. Katie would not file for divorce, pack up all of her belongings and her baby just to leave with some strangers. I have an excerpt of um, part of the story that she told from the Shawnee Herald. It was was printed in the newspaper. And you have to remember, this is 1905. (laughs) They just wrote in a different way. Yes. Yes, they did. So she stated that she and Mrs. James with the child had driven out from Weatherford two and one half miles where they met a man and two women in the covered wagon. Mrs. James then told her that these were the parties she had expected to meet. 
and she and her belongings with the child were transferred to the covered wagon. She gave Mrs. Norton a $5 bill to pay for the rig and her trouble, and owing to the bad condition of her husband's affairs at Clinton, business being very dull, she had come to Shawnee to get work. So the whole reason why Fanny was in Shawnee was because her husband's, uh, her husband didn't have a job, wasn't able to support her, so she needed more work. Hmm. And she thought going to Shawnee would be it. So there is, you know, her claiming that, oh, Katie left the baby, the Katie and ba- the baby went, but now we've got like this whole family of people that are like, mm, you literally handed me this baby. Right. So long How f- did it magically appear in my arms? <laughs> right. That's kind of a crazy story. Yeah, that's a, I mean. Fanny denies murdering Katie and even wept bitterly, alleging no one would believe her. (laughs) While taking a break from questioning, Sam Bartell started speaking with a reporter when Fanny is heard vomiting. Sam and the others rush in to find her heaving and gasping for air. She would never recover. She had poisoned herself. She died the next morning. So literally the only one who knows what happened to those two people. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like with Katie. Yes. Poisoned herself. Mm-hmm. Now the investigation comes to a screeching halt. The trail is cold. No one has any idea where Katie is. If she's dead. Is she alive? They don't know. Here's a kooky fact. Fanny's death was deemed a suicide and her body was never claimed. So she is buried in an unmarked grave in Shawnee. She was married, yeah, right? Yeah, she is married. Huh. She is married. Sam Bartell vowed to continue the search. He was not going to give up. During this time, Father Henry DeWitt offered a $500 reward for the return of Katie alive and a $75 reward for her dead body. Mm. That would be almost $18,000 today if they found her alive and $3,000 if they found her dead. Here's another kooky fact. Territorial Governor Ferguson added an additional $300 to the reward, which would be about $11,000 today. So on August 31st, G.W. Cornell of Weatherford, while fishing with his son, stumbled upon Katie's body along the Deer Creek. Oh, my goodness. Oh, gosh. How awful. Right. It was badly decomposed. I mean, hello. It had been July and August. Oh, I can't even imagine. However, the hair matched Katie's, the clothing was recognized, and her gold wedding ring was still on her finger. Oh my goodness. The skull had been severed from the body, but found a short distance away. So this really had to be shocking. Like, had she been decapitated? Her hat was actually found under some mud and debris nearby. So they gathered her body and an autopsy was performed. And during that autopsy, they discovered a bullet hole behind her right ear. Oh my goodness. So a revolver having belonged to Fanny and positively ID'd by Fanny's attorney was also discovered downstream after the body was discovered. So law enforcement surmised that Fanny had shot Katie in the buggy where she fell forward and off the buggy into the creek, like possibly off the bridge into mm-hmm. the creek. So that could account for, and how do I put this delicately, the removal of her head, perhaps, but that also could have been caused by decomposition and animals right. moving it. Mm-hmm. They don't believe that she was actually decapitated. Right. 
It could have been a combination of the fall. Nature. Nature, you know. The area was secluded enough that no one would have heard or been suspicious of hearing like a gunshot wound. So or they, a gunshot. Just to clarify, they found her body in Shawnee. No, it was in Weatherford. It was in Weatherford? Or in the area Weatherford. between Weatherford and Hydro. Okay. Okay. So. Sorry. I'm just trying to keep it all straight and I'm not yes. doing a very good job. <laughs> so now remember, Katie was estranged from her husband, mm-hmm. a Mr. Martin Luther James. Mm-hmm investigators needed to talk to him stat something was missing what would that be a missing persons report by him well i mean they but they weren't she was trying to get away from him but why would he i don't know i don't think it's that weird that he didn't put out a missing persons report okay to me it's not weird i wonder if they thought it was weird because i don't know if he knew a divorce was coming or what or if he, be, I don't know, but part of me is like, did, would he have not gone to her family and been like, where is she? Where did yeah. she go? Well, I mean, I guess I can see yeah. how that would be odd. But he never did file a missing persons report for either his wife or his daughter. He was sarcastic on the stand when mm. he was called in, never expressing any remorse, sorrow, or concern for either his missing wife or his missing child. Even when they, he found out that Katie had died, he didn't bat an eye. Hmm. Many suspected Martin of playing a part, but there was never any evidence. Plus, he had an alibi for the day of the murder. Hmm. Doesn't mean he couldn't have played a part in it. Well, not to play devil's advocate here, but um, what would be the chances that he would know that... Oh, I'll get there. She would leave and just happen to meet Fanny? I'll get there. We'll get, we'll get to some speculations, but... The grand jury did indict Fanny for murder, with robbery being the motivation, but she was dead, so... What's the point? Yep, there it stood. This is also a kooky fact. Katie and Martin were still married at the time of her death. Mm-hmm. No divorce had yet been granted. What's even more kooky, get this, Katie had just come into her trust. Thus, Martin was to inherit Katie's substantial estate. Katie's father was wealthy. Hello. Think about that reward. He had set up a trust fund for Katie when she was younger. Not long before her death, Katie's trust was opened to her. She was given a large amount of money, land holdings, and a working farm. Mm. Once the, the plot thickens. Mm-hmm. Once the assets were transferred to Martin, he petitioned courts for custody of his daughter, Lulu. Remember that one he was so concerned about? Uh-huh. And he got her from her grandfather, Henry DeWitt, who had custody of her, who was the one who went to get her from the random family that had her. Right. Not wasting any time, Martin quickly sold the farm and liquidated all of Katie's other assets. And then, poof, Martin and Lulu vanish without a trace, never to be seen again. Oh, my gosh. To this day... The mystery of what happened to Martin and Lulu is still there. But also, Katie's case still remains unsolved. So, this story is full of mystery. Number one, what happened to Martin and Lulu? Because right. now I need to know. Where did they go? Can we get some familiar DNA going on? <laughs> Where's that ancestry? All of us need to sign up for it 23 right and me. <laughs> Number two, who really was Fanny Norton? Why would she murder Katie, someone she barely knew 
and I'm using quotes. quotes. Yeah. And if she wasn't motivated, or if she was motivated by robbery, why did she leave that solid gold ring on her finger? And it's very unlikely that she acted alone, right? I I mean, mean, I would think so. She had to subdue a mother, and here she had to have subdued this mother who had plans to go to Ripley, to take the train to Ripley, but for some reason she got off in Weatherford, and then stay the night, and then gets in a buggy to go to Hydra. That's nowhere near where, I, I don't know if that's near the route you would go, but why mm-hmm. would you take a buggy when you have train tickets? Well, I mean, the art of deception. Exactly. I, and my mind is, did she subdue Katie, like threaten her, make threats to her? I mean, she obviously had a gun on her. So did she make some sort of threats on her? Or did she just come up behind Katie and shoot her in the back? I mean, the I- gunshot was behind her ear. I don't know. I, not having all the information, you know, it's hard to make a a judgment on it. But like, to me, like, it seems more likely that Katie didn't see it coming. Right. That maybe Fanny was super persuasive and was like, well, hey, uh, why don't we go this way? And, you know, I don't know what she could have said, but, Mm -hmm. um, and then just out of, out of nowhere because it wouldn't be that odd to have a gun if you're on a buggy making a long trip mm-hmm. that's true and you're two and women it's 1905 so well and, i mean and fanny is a known sex worker so i'm sure she carried yeah um this is another mystery most believed martin hired fanny to kill katie he definitely had motivation knowing he wouldn't see a dime if the divorce was granted it was also speculated that martin could have been a client of fanny's and propositioned her to commit the crime. Well, I mean, that is, that seems more likely. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we're here for the ghost, though. Well, okay, but what right. about Fanny's supposed husband? Nothing reported on him. I mean, he didn't claim her body when she died, so. Maybe she didn't have a husband. I think they did. They, she was recorded as having a husband. So I think his name was recorded, like in papers and stuff. And, because um, it was reported that he owned that uh, that buggy rental company. So. Um, Not convinced. <laughs> I think, well, what I think is he saw his wife got into some hot water and he didn't want to have anything to do with her at that point. And being 1905, mm-hmm. what are they going to do? They don't have to. He can escape him, his way out of there and he didn't have anything to do with her. Mm-hmm. And plus, if she left quickly after that. He may not know where she went. It's not like they could make a phone call. Yeah. So, but let's talk about the ghost. Okie dokie. I kind of want to drive here. Also, of I've asked. Of course you do. I've asked my husband and my coworker who lived in Weatherford for a little while. Um, I, I've asked them both the questions, like if they've been there. <laughs> well, what was their response? One of them, yes. The other one, no. It is reported that both the bridge and the riverbed are haunted on moonlit nights. Stand under the bridge. You can hear the sound of a woman, believed to be Katie, calling out for her missing child, which really kind of kills me. But that, that would be really sad. Yeah. When you stand beneath the bridge, it said you can hear a buggy go over the bridge, hear the stomping and clomping of the horse's hooves. Then you hear a sudden crack, perhaps the sound of a gun or a body hitting tree branches. Cool. Then a splash in the water. Like something was thrown in or dropped off the side of the bridge. Of course, when you look, 
there's never any buggy on the bridge and there's nothing in the water. The interesting thing is this bridge has been converted to a cement bridge. It was a wooden one. Mm-hmm. But I believe what uh, what people have said is like it still sounds like it's wooden. You still mm-hmm. hear the sounds of the wooden bridge, but it's it's concrete now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make the same sound, but you hear the same. Oh, you hear the same sound. <laughs> it is believed to be the spectral replay of Katie's death over and over, which kind of stinks. Other spooky happenings that have been reported here: UFO sightings, <laughs> cattle mutilations, mysterious black-robed people performing rituals there at midnight. I'm sorry. Did you say mysterious black roped people? Robed. Oh, robed. I was like, what is it? What is that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that is, but black robed people. Okay. Um, so it is believed that there were satanic rituals there at times. Okay. Um, on a different legend is this, this one. This one's from um, the Casey Ghost article that I read. Mm-hmm. The, quote, dead woman was a passerby who had her baby with her as she was crossing the bridge in her wagon. She had been attacked and her head had been cut off. This poor woman was then tied between two trees and left on display. As the legend went, it had been several days before anyone spotted her. Her ghost was said to wander this location looking for either her head or her baby. This leads many people to believe the cold, those are the cold spots under the bridge. Now, that was one of the rumors that had gone around because come to find out that this location is extremely popular with the college crowd. Well, of course it is. And teenagers and stuff. And so that was one of, I think people didn't know the actual history mm-hmm. or maybe they knew parts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they made up their own little urban legend. Mm-hmm. We'll come to find out, this is right, how I started it, their urban legend is true. Just not all their details are correct. Yeah. So another story from the Casey ghost, um, we had a flood that washed out the new bridge. What was left was a very dangerous immediate drop off from the road to the river bottom that had already receded to its usual low state. Her friend, the reporter's friend, was standing on the edge of this broken road, looking down into the riverbed when he felt himself start to lose his balance. Suddenly, he felt what seemed to be a hand pushing him backwards to stop him from falling off the bridge. Oh, that'd be creepy. Yes. The wooden bridge was replaced with a concrete one, get this, nearly 80 years after the death of Katie DeWitt James. So, 1985-ish. Oh, the year I was born. (laughs) Under the bridge is very popular for both college kids to hang out and uh, ghost investigators. Uh, there are many pictures of the present day bridge. They're so creepy. So my coworker, she lived in Weatherford and she passed over the bridge many times. She says it's very spooky, but she didn't, nothing supernatural ever happened to her. Did she obviously know like she the knew, legend yeah, and She stuff? did know it. Yes. Cause I had asked her. I feel like that would feed into the fear though. Yeah. Like, you know, like well, when you look at some this, of the like... pictures, it, I mean, granted, they probably take the pictures on misty nights and stuff but they do kind of look creepy and they're like there's a lot of graffiti on them now mm-hmm. and it it just kind of adds to the creep factor yes 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 exactly so like i mentioned before my husband he is an alum of of swasu <laughs> he had never heard about it <laughs> and he never visited anywhere of that description <laughs> Because I was like, so did you go to any of these college parties, like a bonfire, like under a bridge? And he was like, uh, no. (laughs) So (laughs) 
That is the story of Dead Woman's Crossing. Interesting. And it was actually a um, listener request from... I didn't write their name down, but it was a listener request. Oh, okay. I tried to write down the names and I forgot to on that one. But it was a listener request, so I hope that you liked it. That was interesting. That was really interesting. Ooh, so let you, let's go to Weatherford. And at midnight, we'll stand over the bridge. Um, Come on. There's going to be other people there, I'm sure. Well, maybe not right now because college isn't in session. They're all on winter break. What are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> um, I'm traveling. Just I know, so am I. I'll be in Branson. <laughs> I'm going to the in-laws tomorrow, so. <laughs> I know. We have so many places that we need to go. I know. That we need to go visit. I know. But yeah. That was interesting. I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. Of course, I, I was more interested in the actual, like, crime story. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Always, Jess, always. I know. But yeah. That's well, if you have any show suggestions or places you'd like Jess and I to look into, please feel free to reach out to us mm-hmm. at CuriousCousinsOK at gmail.com. You can find us on all of our socials, including Facebook, Instagram, and X. And of course, we would love for you to rate, follow, and review us on your favorite podcast listening platform, including Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and Google Play. Mm-hmm. And Jess, you're coming at us next week with a true crime episode. Oh, I am. And it's a, a it's listener a request. Uh, We've request. had it requested several, several times. times. It's going to be a doozy. I already know it. I, yeah. I'm i not looking into it. Yeah, it, it's going to be a hard one. You're going to make me cry, aren't you? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. It's a tough one. I yeah. will say that. Yeah. So Jess, tell them what to keep it. Keep it kooky and spooky. Bye. Bye.